What we do on the internet says a lot about us. The sites we visit, the people we talk to, the podcasts we listen to, all come together to paint a picture of who we are. Now, data miners and algorithms would like to think that that's the full picture of us. What is it? What happens when the version of us that we present online doesn't quite represent the complete us? But also, what parts of ourselves do we hide within a keyboard with the protection of a screen? What about each other are we missing? We're exploring these ideas and more as today we ask the question, searching, what's it about? I'm Ricardo Boydias. I'm Seth Crow. I'm Megan Branham. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, a show where we aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Megan and Seth, how are you doing today? Seth? Great! I'm good. How are you, Ricky? I'm doing okay. Seth, that sounded forced. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just mad there's not snow on the ground here. I wanted there to be snow on the ground, and I wanted us not to have to go to work today. That is what I desired, and it is not happening. So... I just really am not sure if I work today at all. Should check. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, double check. Um, same. I wish there was snow on the ground here. We haven't really I'm had in, our... I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> Nashville gets usually one good snow, and we haven't had our good snow this year. Oh, my family had some good snow up in uh, St. Louis area a few months ago. They had a really pretty bad thunderstorm or snowstorm there. But, uh, you know... I'm going to visit it? Chicago, Ricky. I'm going to visit Are Chicago, you? 18th to the 21st. If you feel froggy, of, of March, of March, of March. Okay, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, <laughs> although it was Carly, it was Carly uh, Sullivan's birthday the other day. Oh, cool. uh, I talked to her a little bit. So shout out to Carly Mo Sullivan, the nicest uh, person in the world. Carly, that's Mo what Sullivan. I told her. Yeah, I told her that. I was like, you are one of the nicest and most wonderful, caring people. Uh, I hope you know that. And a big shout out to her. I don't know if she listens to our podcast. Uh, I know her and Bree have listened before. Um, Bree Murray. Yeah. <laughs> we should text um, them. We should get them on it. Yeah, we should. Uh, I love those Chicago peeps. I would love to go back and visit them. I was at uh, Mike and Amy's wedding a couple years ago. That was fun. It was great to see cool. them then. But anyway, uh, I would love to try and go. I just don't know if I can afford that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've had an interesting week here. Um, my uh, – my, uh, the day after we recorded, I found out that my roommate has COVID. Uh-oh. And so luckily I've been testing negative all week, but like, it's been a, you know, a whole process of like making sure that when I walk through the house, I have my masks on, I'm, I'm wiping down all the surfaces. I'm sanitizing everything all the time, but like, it's, it's been a process, but he's doing okay. I have, again, I've been testing negative left and right. And so I test, I've tested like every other day just to make sure. We're not worried so, about it. Well, yeah, you guys are fine. <laughs> Thanks for being concerned about my health, bud. <laughs> I mean, I'm not worried for you. Like, I think you'll be fine too. I'm just saying yeah. we're, we're not going to get it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you're inside the computer. Ricky, why aren't you wearing your mask with us? <laughs> That's a good point. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but no, uh, I've had, I had COVID way back in 2020 uh, and it wasn't too bad for me. Um, so I mean, I'm just more worried about like missing work and stuff like that. That's yeah. honestly the more of the yeah. concern for me. But so far, so good. Um, yeah. Uh, Megan, how's your week been so far? It's been good. Um, I had my best friend's wedding on Friday. 
That's right. I saw some pics on the interwebs. Wait, that's not that's not the movie this week, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> my best friend's wedding. Oh my god, we should do it. It is a favorite. I thought about about suggesting it for next week. Um, I made my little speech, danced a little bit, saw my mom, saw my best friends, came back on Saturday, went to a birthday party, was very tired. <laughs> was there a bachelorette party involved in this? There was. The day before the wedding, the, we had had a little bachelorette trip before, like, I think a month or so. Or no, 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 two months ago, three months ago. I've well, always wanted to go to a bachelorette party. I Well, this one was very tame. We went to Dollywood, and we stayed in a cabin in Gatlinburg, and um, it was very wholesome. So I'm not sure if that's the bachelorette party you would have wanted to go to. Sure it was. Yeah, no, it was very <laughs> right. We ate cinnamon bread. We went on roller coasters. It was great. A lumberjack came to chop down a tree. Because <laughs> I hear the tree needs chopping now. <laughs> what a weird premise. <laughs> anyway. I mean, what else is going to, a jacuzzi, a guy that was coming to work on a jacuzzi? Like, what else? Would there I be? don't know. <laughs> uh, but I do want to roll back a little bit, Megan, because you kind of like, like quickly hopped over the, the your speech. How'd your speech go? It went well, I think. Mine was, mine was a little uh, longer than everyone else's, which is a little, always scary. And I went last. So everyone else went and did like very short and sweet. Uh, her mom, her dad, the best man all did like minute long things. And I came in with like my three minute word document. Um, but it was, I think it went well. Um, she cried in a good way. The bride made her tear up and I was like, that's all I wanted. Just wanted to, to get her. I've known her for like 20 years. So it it just means you care more, you care more than all those other people. I've known her for such a (laughs) long More than her mother and her father. Yes, you yes. love her more than all yes, those other people. Absolutely. Um, no, it was. I think it went well. Yeah, it was just. Good. It was pretty easy to write. Like I said, I've known her for like decades, so I had a lot of material to pull from. Wonderful. Easy to make her cry. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to make anybody cry when I officiated my sister's wedding because they specifically mm-hmm. told me not to. Yeah, she was well, because my sister's not like really into like the really like the really really sappy stuff. Like she's heartless. His sister's heart. No, she's not. But she definitely <laughs> my family, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, my family has a tendency to like like not or not be super sensitive. My family's not very sensitive. I'm the most sensitive person in this family by far, other than my mom. My mom's pretty sensitive too. So I definitely take after her more in that way. But like my dad and my sister and my brother and my uncle are much less sensitive than I am. Uh, and so like, and they don't like things being super sappy and over sentimental. It's just like not their vibe. And so during the wedding. I would argue that they're, they're super, that, that makes them even more sensitive if they can't. Maybe they're scared you know. to just let it out. Yeah. They're going to listen to this and they're all going to come for me. Cause I know her husband, my sister's husband listens to the show. Shout out Daquan. <laughs> Shout out Daquan. <laughs> Big fan of the show. He listens to every episode and texts me after he listens to it. So. One of our super fans. Thank you, Dakin. Um, <laughs> they they both told me can't be sappy, no sappiness, or like keep the sappiness to a minimum. Don't go overly sappy. So like it was more of like a, you know, I think I laid it out really well uh, in a way that was like romantic but not like overly sentimental kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the crowd really liked it, but it was like more of like a the the the, the feedback I got afterwards was more like that was really well written. 
<laughs> which yeah. makes sense because I'm a writer. You're a writer. <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense. So like, wow, that was like one of the best written speeches I've, I've heard at a wedding personally. And I was like, good, but didn't make anybody cry because it was like, I wasn't trying to like really, really tug at it that much. Uh, I would have loved to, I would have loved to see everybody cry. That would have been amazing. But, but like I said, I, I, I know the speech was good, uh, but I didn't get that, that reaction. Cause I was explicitly told not to. Well, I think, I think I had a cheat cause I was a lot of the people that were there were people I've known since I was like a kid. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen them in years and years. So I think just seeing everybody, you know, yeah, um, it's that classic, like, Oh my God, I can't believe it's you. It's been like 10 years. So I think that helped too. And their, their ceremony, they're also not really sentimental or, I mean, they're super sweet, but they're, um, they made the ceremony literally like two minutes long. It was like, they got up there and they were like, you do, you do. Cool. Let's back. That's what, yeah, that's what we did too. My sister's like, we want it 10 minutes at the most. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're out of here. Yeah. The wedding should be a party, you know? That's it's... what it was. It was, what? we had a beach bash the night before the ceremony was like 10 minutes and then we all went and we all did the reception and for like six hours and it was awesome. So fun. Yeah. It was very fun. Uh, for sure. But we're not here to talk about any of that as much as we love catching up with each other. Uh, and as much as the show is about us talking about ourselves, uh, we need to do it through the context of the movie that we watch. Yeah. So let's talk about the movie that we watch, which was – I misspoke last week when I said it was 2019. It's 2018. Uh, uh, from 2018, the movie Searching. Uh, that is the movie that we watched this past week and hopefully that you all watched with us. Um, so Seth and Megan, um, what was your experience with this movie? Had you seen it before this? And has your experience from the first time you watched it changed this time around? Now watching it with a little bit more of a, uh, a thoughtful lens. You go ahead, Megan. Oh, uh, well, I thought we were watching a different movie. So that was fun. I thought we were watching the new one, The Missing mm. Movie. I was like, how am I going to get there? Um, so I was very relieved to learn that we were watching the the this 2018 one. Um, and I had seen it once before. I saw it on a plane. I was on my way to, I think we were going to Paris, a friend of mine and I. Mm. And I think I said this last week, the only memory I had of it was her looking over at my screen during that screensaver part. And she like... Yeah tapped on my shoulder and was like, are you watching a screensaver? And she was like, something's very wrong with you. Um, so that's all I remembered. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking John Cho was a babe, which I still do. Uh, and that's kind of it. Uh, and then this time, I mean, I think watching it on a plane, watching any movie on a plane is a, you had a different experience of, of mm-hmm. watching it anywhere else. So, I mean, it was just, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of spent the whole movie being like, oh, I remember this. It was this person who did it or this person. And every time I was wrong. Um, <laughs> so you remembered it. Like well, I, remembered, I remembered every like person he thought did it. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, they did it. I remember now. Um, and I didn't put it together till the end. But I thought it was interesting. I thought it was. <laughs> I, I, uh, I know the whole gimmick is like a, an interesting thing. I'm not sure that I love it. The whole like all told through screens thing. But it's a, it's a fun idea. Awesome. We'll get into more of what you think it's about later. Yeah. Uh, Seth, what about you? Is this your first time watching this movie? Yeah, this was my first experience with searching. Uh, I think it would be way better if you watched it on your computer. Like like if you were at your computer watching it. I, I did not. I watched it in the living room. Um, I feel my feelings about this movie are this movie had to be made. 
but I did not enjoy it. Like, <laughs> uh, it like not that not that the actors didn't do a good job. I thought the actors did a fine job, but I just felt like it wasn't executed well. Like they, it, it, uh, they did a good job of capturing the scope of the information you could glean Mm -hmm. from the internet, but they did not do a great job of like making the story realistic. So for me, like I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching it. Um, but I, I, because it was fun, you know, it was kind of fun to watch. Uh, but I did not enjoy the execution of the storyline. I just thought it was kind of interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, so yeah, this is my interesting. Uh, this is my second time watching this movie. And I, first time I saw it was in theaters with Dakin, actually shout out Dakin again. My sister was in town, uh, interviewing at one of the hospitals here, one of the children's hospitals. And, uh, while she was in her interview, me and him went and saw this movie. Um, and I really liked it. I was surprised because it was a movie that I hadn't really heard much about and I didn't really know much about. And I was very surprised that I, I liked it as much as I did. I think John Cho's performance is really, really good. Um, and then I watched it this time and I think I saw some more uh, things that kind of like more filmmaking things that maybe like bothered me a little bit. Like there was, I think there was a little bit of like spoon feeding sometimes yeah like the way you would highlight things or he would bring his cursor over to things it's like that's not really what you do when you're when you're on your computer you don't like go to the thing that you're reading and like bring your arrow to it i get why he might they might need to do that obviously for the filmmaking purposes of making sure that the audience is seeing the information that they want them to see for the experience of the movie but like i was like that's kind of annoying to me because i feel like the premise of the movie is like he's looking at this computer screen, so I feel like we would all also be like scanning it the way he would, and then, you know, I think we'd find the information because it's all pretty, you know, doing the zoom ins. I think would all would be all you need is like you wouldn't have to like highlight it. You would just need to do that thing where like it like cuts like a really like close up of yeah. the information that he's looking at. I, I don't know if there's anything like I just this popped into my head. I don't know if there's anything like this exists, but are there any like interactive mysteries? Yeah, Bandersnatch on Netflix. Huh? Bandersnatch on Netflix. Uh, it's like, like an interactive movie where there is like a mystery of like the what's going on with like the game that he's playing, and like it's like a it's I, like a right. It's a, but I'm I'm talking more like in the style of this like movie. a murder mystery. Like 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 they send you a file and you open it up and then it's like you have to do research and you have to do like oh you know what I'm saying like like it's like a video game. So yeah, like a video game, but it's like, I don't know, in person and like there's, I don't know. I just like, it would be, it would be way fun if you were the one that was doing John Cho's job in this movie. Is gotcha. I bet there are games, I bet, because there are those like video board games that come with like the tapes and things like that. Yeah. That I bet there's like a murder mystery, one of those that the, that is like this. There's gotta be. Don't they have like, um. I forget what it's called. It's always advertised on like podcasts and true crime YouTube videos. Those yeah. monthly murder mystery, like you have to be the detective and solve it. And it comes with like an envelope full of clues. Oh, that's there cool. Goes, Seth. Hold on. I'm going to find it. Sponsor us. I will say that, and, and we'll get into this earlier. There are some personal connections to this movie that I have that brings the story through for me. 
and I, I get what you're saying. It is a little far-fetched, but I think not as far-fetched as you would think, right? It's not, I think there it's, are weirder. I think there are weirder stories in real life than the way this unfolds. I, I, I think it's not. It's not that I don't think this could happen. It's the way they, like, like John Cho's character is like in the frame at the murder scene. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like leaning over the edge of the cliff, like waiting for his daughter to be pulled up. It's just like a little like a little staged. Yeah, it feels very staged. It feels okay, very staged. That's fair enough. I, fair enough. I get what you're saying. My suspension of disbelief was a little bit higher the years, but like I said, it's all fair. We'll get into our actual like maybe maybe it sounds like you guys don't have quite as many as I do, and that's fair. I think that's okay. Um, but I guess we'll find out a little bit later. Let's talk about how. Oh, go ahead, Seth. Uh, I always joked in the past before we started this podcast that Ricky has a place in his heart for bad movies, but not like not a bad not, movie. I don't think. It's a bad movie. <laughs> you think this is a bad movie? I think it's a bad movie, but that that that's you're like in, I'm going to tell you right now. Spoiler alert, dude! You're in the vast minority. That, really? That, this movie has very high, very high critical and financial success uh, i i just yeah i disagree i think it's a gimmick to me this is a gimmick movie mm-hmm. i agree i i think it's a gimmick but i don't think it's bad i think it's an interesting idea i think i was like it was well acted but i don't think it's good fair enough <laughs> and let's, i don't know let's get into it then so you guys can learn a little bit more of the history here. Like, i i think the acting's great in the movie that's not mm-hmm. my problem it's it's it is the spoon feeding it is the forced like, I, it's it's like there's a whole lot of holes in his path to finding her. Like, just like it would be way more difficult than it. And and like even the timeline of like five to seven. Like, no, even the way that like I mean, I guess you could justify. Yeah, uh, no, no, never mind. I'm not gonna say that because you could justify what I'm thinking of. Uh, it just, I just. It was very difficult for me. Yes, it was difficult for me to suspend my disbelief. I honestly, I mean, this movie was made in 2018, which is almost five years ago at this point. But I would argue that it's it might be easier to do this than you would think because of how much we information we put on the internet of ourselves these days, especially teenagers, you know, who aren't as protected about what they put out there. I think it would be easier to do what he did than you than you think it would be. If you're internet savvy, I think yeah. I think it's much easier than you think. I mean, there's like tick. Actually, to be fair, there is a TikTok uh, channel uh, uh, person that I actually follow who does this. Who uh, sometimes people will say really nice things on her 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 chat, and what she'll do is she'll like go f- literally find who this person is and like give like wish them like a happy birthday or like do something like that. Um, but she like is like really she like legitimately is really really good at this type of stuff. Of like, I, it's not that it's not that I don't think this is possible. I know it's totally possible. It's the it's the sequence of events that they put on the screen and how it goes down. It's like one after another just kind of works out. You know, like like it's I don't know. It's like oh, I don't. Like oh, getting her, getting in her, to her Facebook would have been way harder than that. I I think like I can't even get into my own Facebook. Anyway. Yeah, like 
Oh, just please. <laughs> I can't. I don't know my password and the email associated with it is from college. I don't know how to get into my Facebook. Like the big red flag I saw was there was no password on her computer. Like it was. No, there wasn't. Hmm. Like, like maybe, but maybe it's one of those things where it's like he gave her the computer and it's like you can't password protect your computer kind of thing. Maybe, yeah. You know, but our parents just... see that stuff. It's uh, like it's like I'm giving you this computer, and so you cannot keep me out of it, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. There's. I was able to see it more from like a parent's perspective on a lot of this stuff, and I don't. I don't think it's as difficult as. Again, either way, it doesn't matter. It didn't work for you guys. Yeah. It did work for me. We'll talk about it later. Let's talk about how this film came to be first. Okay. Uh, and what the story of how it, it uh, came into existence is. Um, so this film was directed by Anish uh, Chiganti. I hope I'm saying that right. It's it's an Indian name. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, Chiganti. Um, uh, whose only other uh, directing credit, uh, as far as films go, is the 2020 movie Run. Uh, but he also directed a bunch of short films, including Alibi, Monsters, Microeconomics, Adventure, Wisconsin, uh, and the Google Glass short film, uh, Seeds. Uh, and this film was written by Anish uh, Shiganti uh, and uh, Sev Ohanian. They co-wrote this together. Um, they both also uh, wrote the story for the new sequel uh, that's coming out, I believe, this month. Uh, missing uh but seb ohanian uh less so known also co-wrote run with a niche but is more so known as a producer um and uh, uh founded proximity media with ryan and zinzi kugler uh ryan kugler of black panther fame um and so that's their production company together um and they've produced films like space jam a new legacy judas and the black messiah the hbo max series the future and they just got a five-year television development deal with disney um so lots more to come from sev ohanian uh but this is the story of searching so if you're hunting for how the story of the 2018 dramatic thriller Searching came to be, the beginnings of the tale are somewhat eye-opening. In 2014, a fresh out of film school Anish Chiganti was hired to make a two-minute video ad for the marketing campaign to premiere Google Glass. And even though Google Glass didn't quite take off the way they wanted to, Chiganti's ad, entitled Seeds, did amassing over 1 million views on YouTube in less than 24 hours in 2014. And I actually went and watched this ad and actually made me cry. Uh, Surprisingly, it's a really, it's a really good ad. It's a really good ad. Uh, And it's actually just a pretty good, like little, like short. Um, The success of this unassuming ad secured Chiganti a two year development deal agreement with Google creative labs to write and direct more commercials them and in this time with google giganti worked on over 25 short films and videos for them but i hear you asking where does co-writer and producer sevohanian come in well if you take a look at the credits for that google glass ad you'll see a familiar name sev ohanian who produced that commercial and while Chiganti and Ohanian would pursue different projects for a while, the connection they made working on Seeds together stayed strong, and the pair began developing original stories together. And this is where the genesis of searching began. 
Originally, Chiganti and Ohanian pitched the idea for Searching to producers as an eight-minute short film. Although, surprisingly, many producers told the duo that they thought the concept had enough legs for an entire feature. Where Ohanian was very excited at this prospect, Chiganti was a bit more hesitant at first, feeling that stretching the concept to a feature length would cause it to feel gimmicky. However, after developing the idea further and devising that opening sequence with the mom, Chiganti agreed to make it happen. Chiganti wasn't the only person with reservations regarding the film's concept. Lead actor John Cho initially turned down the role of David Kim because he thought shooting the film in this way wasn't feasible, but he too was eventually convinced. And the film was actually shot on everyday videoing capture devices, such as iPhones, GoPros, webcams, DV cams, and even Chiganti's own iPhone became the main camera at one point. Luckily, the film only took about 13 days to film because Giganti and Ohanian were able to complete and shoot a rough version of the film to allow the film crew to see what the film was supposed to look like. Uh, so that it was able to cut down on any kind of production time. Small screen then met big screen in January of 2018 when Searching premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, winning the Alfred P. Sloan Prize, which is an, a prize that after Yang won this past year. I know Megan's a fan of After Yang. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also won the Next Audience Award at the Sundance Film Festival as well. It was quickly acquired by Sony Pictures for distribution for about $5 million and later appearing in theaters on August of 2018. This small film shot for less than a million dollars on iPhones and computer webcams ended up becoming a big box office success, grossing over $75 million worldwide. It also received wide critical success with an overall 92% certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which would help spawn the development of an anthological sequel, Missing, hitting this month. That is the story of Searching. Mm. Ricky, you're forgetting a, a major part of the research for this movie. What? Uh, I got it right here. Don't worry. Uh-huh. Let's uh, hear it. Seth. Yeah. So Yuxi is a psychic legendary. Oh, yeah. The... <laughs> introduced in Generation 4. It is not known to evolve into any form other than or any other Pokemon. Along with Misprit and Azelf, Uxi is a member of the Lake Guardians, the Sinnoh region's psychic-type legendary Pokemon trio. Uxi is the bringer of knowledge. There you go. You're welcome, audience. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for that Pokemon history. Did you say did you say Guardians of the Lake? Yeah. Generation 4. Who knew? Guard- That's actually great. I never knew that. Guardian, because she, oh. she was kidnapped by a lake. Yeah. By the, Interesting. Wow. Yeah, and awesome. it rained in a place that doesn't rain very much, That's allowing her fair. to survive. Look at that. Guardian of the lake, baby. That explains all the problems in this movie, Seth. Yeah. There was a guardian. The Pokemon, her spirit. You see. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, that's the history uh, that uh, I would actually definitely, if you guys have a chance to check out the, the ad, the Google Glass ad is still on YouTube. Um, it's actually a really nice little video. So, basically, it's um, uh, a niche. Uh, has this, you see Anish packing a bag and he gets this envelope from either his, his partner um, and he puts this envelope in his bag and he goes to travel and he's traveling somewhere. He, you see him go to India um, to deliver whatever's in this envelope. 
to somebody. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's it's basically it's so it's all taking place from his first person perspective as like it's Google Glass, right? So as if he was recording it from like a GoPro or from like the Google Glass itself. So it's all from like his perspective. Um, it's a pretty nice little commercial, and the music's obviously really good. It it's very sweet. It's a very sweet commercial, um, and I think I want to say it was real. I want to say it was true. Like it actually, like, like he actually did did it. Hmm. Pretty good. Um, check it out. out if you get a chance. Um, it's called uh, Google. It's called Seeds. S E E D S for Google Glass. Uh, it's pretty easy to find, um, but it's great. Um, so yeah, that's the story of searching. Um, I don't know what to say, guys, because it sounds like you guys didn't like it very I, much. I, I like I said, I think this movie had to be made. Like, why do you like, think that? Uh, because it could be like this. This movie, like that's the, the the creative structure of the film is really important. I think it's like mm-hmm. innovative. You know, I well, well I, the, so the, that's cool the, to me. Yeah. To throw this out there, there is a movie that did this concept before this movie. This wasn't the first movie to do this. Um, there was a movie that came out in 2014. You guys might remember it, uh, Unfriended. Yes. Uh, or a movie that came out in 2014, but basically it was like a bunch of friends on like a chat. Uh, I think it was, they were on Skype, um, but it's a horror movie. Um, and it's basically the same concept where you're on the computer screen the whole time. Um, and that movie was also pretty successful as well. Um, and even so, they also had a sequel. Um, uh, for me, I feel like that movie stretched the concept more than this one did. Yeah. Um, because like, why are these kids still on their, on their, their Skype at a certain point? You know what I mean? Like when all, all this like horrible stuff is happening. I know like the things like, don't, don't log off and don't shut off your computer. But it's like, at that point I would, I would completely go to the police. Yeah. Yeah. I would not continue to sit there and watch. Um, to I would be dead, but you know, <laughs> I would not I would continue to watch all that. Um, this movie I think does a better job because it's different computers. You know, you do see that moment of like the of like the computer being off of like the you know the screensaver, and then it also cuts in like drone shots from like heli- helicopter news footage. Like I think they did as much as they could to make it dynamic with different different things. You know what I mean? Yeah, I. It's taken. It's taken, but it is taken with the with you know. He has a particular set of skills. Yeah, yeah. That's getting into his daughter's personal information on the internet. Yeah. There also a movie and um, because watching this, I think Seth, you saying that it had to be made, and like I feel like the sequel also had to be made because everything is changing so fast and they can do different stuff, and like post COVID, everybody kind of has their whole life even more on their computer. So I think there was a movie and Googled it. I don't know when it was 2020, 2021 or something called host, mm-hmm. which was about like, they were all on a zoom call and the whole thing took place entirely that way. Um, so I just, I think it's becoming more and more of a, I don't know if it's a gimmick anymore. It's just I don't know. a style of film. It's like a found footage for the, you know, yeah. For the stage. Yeah. It's found footage with a different framing device. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can even say found footage is a gimmick in and of itself, um, yeah. which works sometimes and doesn't work sometimes. And so I respect, I, I respect any new form of filmmaking. Like mm. I respect, I respect that you are taking the, the leap to 
make a movie in a new way. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, I just don't, I don't think, I think it can be done better. I just, yeah, I think there was so, so this is something interesting about this film that like, so something that you might not have noticed, or maybe you did, I don't know, but for viewers out there, all the internet web pages, all the, basically the whole computer screen is not not like they're not screen capturing an actual screen. So like all the desktops and all the web pages they go on, that's all visual effects. They had to basically like CGI, all that. Oh, Oh wow. Know that. Yeah. So like all they had to physically rebuild or like virtually rebuild all these websites and all this stuff. And it, it's completely seamless. Like it's like, you think it's the real sites and stuff like that. Cause it just looks that convincing, but like it's all rebuilt. Cause they, again, they didn't like do this on a screen and video capture it and just be like, okay, there's the movie. It's like, yeah. no, we had to actually put all this stuff together and things like that. So. I think um, the fact that it was like, there are more movies being made like this now. So I think it's fair that it wasn't perfect or like mm-hmm. groundbreaking storytelling wise, because I mean like the, the way it did it was cool and groundbreaking, but because it was like a forerunner, it was like one of the first, I think I can mm-hmm. give some of the weirder, maybe less believable parts mm-hmm. because it's just, um, they're finding their footing a little bit. They're paving the way. Mm-hmm. And it was made for the cheap, yeah. you know, and made a lot of money, a lot of surprisingly so considering. Um, but uh, that was just a little bit of history. And it just, I think, Having the context of some of the things does, I think, build out an appreciation for other aspects of the movie where it's like, okay, I think I can forgive other stuff because now knowing the context of a lot of these things, it it helps bring into perspective. But you're right. There are definitely like filmmaking techniques that I think were not utilized or could have been utilized better in lots of different ways. I can concede that for sure. But as we're going to get into later, there's like a, a, a more personal thing going on here. Um, but anyway. Uh, for those of you out there who didn't watch Searching or forgot, because <laughs> like, oh, I've seen that movie. I don't need to watch it again. If you forgot what that movie is about, uh, it's time for our next segment to talk about uh, what is this movie? Seth, what time is it? It's Friday with Ricky. Friday with Ricky. It's the best time of day. The music sucks, but that's okay, because we got to get there anyway. It's Friday with Ricky. That really scared my cat. <laughs> It really scared me. <laughs> Nora ran away. Thanks. It's Seth. writing with Ricky, everybody. Yeah, guys, if you didn't catch it out there, it's writing with Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Seth. Uh, this is the segment where I've uh, written a logline for this movie, and Megan and Seth are going to score me on a scale of 1 to 10 uh, based on how uh, strong of a logline they think it is, but based on any of the criteria that they so choose. Um, and, uh, we'll add it to my overall running score here. I have a running score for the entire, uh, podcast since we started doing this, but I also have a 2023 score. Uh, so we'll see how we do. All right. So here is the log line for searching, or at least my log line. <clears throat> when his daughter goes missing, widowed father, David Kim pours through her internet history in a desperate attempt to find her only to discover how much about her he truly didn't know. It's pretty good. That's good. I'm going to give it an 8.5. Okay. Give it an 8. Okay. 8.5 and 8. Divide that by 2. That's an 8.25. Uh, so uh, that 
8.25 uh, average for today's logline from Seth and Megan brings up both averages, uh, my 2023 average and my overall average. My new 2023 average is 7.42, which is up about 0.3 from last week because of my abysmal showing for Megan. Thanks a lot, Megan. Not <laughs> not this Megan, the other Megan. Three <laughs> But also, thanks a lot, this Megan. <laughs> uh, I'm a three again. Um, and uh, my overall score went up very slightly from like an 8.111 to an 8.113. So it just goes up just a little bit. But still, both an increase, both an improvement from last week. That's all I can ask for. Um, so coming back strong. I appreciate it. All right. So we've talked about how it came to be. We talked about what it is. Now it's time for the titular question. And since this is the movie that I picked, I get to ask the question. Who do I want to ask first? Who do I want to ask first? I want to ask Megan first. So Megan searching. What's it about? Um, <laughs> That's okay. You know what? You're still searching for the answer. I'm searching for the answer. I think, I mean, obviously it's about um, the role technology plays in our life, but I think if I were to pick out like a different, more, more timeless theme, just a parent's love for their Mm. child. um, Both of, you know, for good and for, for bad. For good and for bad. So uh, that kind of parents love. I am curious because I think honestly people would have a different People are going to have different looks at this type of parenting in this way mm-hmm. of like an, a parent that's kind of obsessive, not super duper obsessive, but maybe a little bit more um, involved than a lot of other parents. So like as far as like your experience growing up, both of you, how would you respond to David's style of parenting? I guess either before or after – Pamela's death. How would you describe his style of parenting though? Like, is he. So I think originally it was a pretty healthy type yeah. of style, yeah. like a very involved, very loving and caring. A lot of like, you know, obviously he, he was very supportive, but I think after Pamela passed away, it became a lot more detached and it became more of a, he became more of a, a guardian and less of a, less of like, a guide if that makes sense yeah maybe a little bit less present yeah i think he became more of like how can i basically just like keep this person on track yeah but like not not as engaged right Mm -hmm. um but like the i guess the the more obsessive way that he goes about things later in the movie how would you how do you guys feel about that well and he definitely he definitely some people might look at that unfavorably. He definitely relies on technology to know where his daughter is and like monitor her well-being, you know? Mm. So it's like there's a definite firewall between him and his daughter emotionally, you know? Mm. She, he knows she's okay because he can look at her location and find out where she is, and but she, he's not communicating with her. Mm. Was he doing all that before she went missing? Was she like, was he like constantly? I don't, he was kind of helicopter parenting oh, slightly, but not very good at it. But I think he was trying to. Yeah. Like, he, he would call her a lot. He would be texting her a lot and he'd be like, where are you? Like, where are you going? Like, when are you going to be home? Like, it's like, 
there was and you could tell that she was like leave me alone type stuff or like like she's like, a teenager back off. Yeah. exactly and that's i think it i guess more of the question i'm hovering at is like his response to when she goes missing mm. as far as like again the obsessive overly controlling aspect some people might be like leave it you know you need to get out of the way and leave it to the police kind of thing I I like it. <laughs> I like his. Granted, I'm only, I'm speaking from some personal experience. You know, I've never gone missing, but I have. You know, when I was younger, you know, not gotten back to my mom promptly, and she is for the most part a pretty respectful of boundaries person. Um, but when I was younger, if I wouldn't like call when I had specifically told, you know, it wasn't a great move on my part. Um, but she would call my friends she would sorry my cat's at the door hold on come in she would call my friends um she never had my location on her her phone um because she thought that was overstepping her boundaries a little bit but she would definitely freak out and call and call and call um and in the moment i was like that's super annoying i'm fine i was just like i forgot to call you but now i'm like you know if something like that were to happen, I think I would want my my mom to really push for, you know. Just knowing where you are, knowing. Yeah, yourself. yeah. If something had actually happened, I would rather her, because like, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's fine given the circumstances. I think he did what I would probably do and what I think most parents would do. What about you, Seth? What do you think about his response? Uh, I think it's, I think it's definitely like a little bit more than it would be normally uh, because, you know, it's, it's because his wife died that yeah. is so yeah. much more intense, you know, like, Oh, I can't lose my daughter too. This is all like, this is my responsibility. Like, like the, the saddest part in the movie is when he deletes that video of him being like, uh, best dad ever mm -hmm. you know he deletes he deletes it because it's like he's hating himself yeah mm -hmm. um so like i think it's like his own self-worth is all wrapped up in whether or not he can find his daughter and so like that's i like that you know mm -hmm. uh but i do think it's a little it's probably a little helicoptery you know mm -hmm. it's like it's like big brothers watching which which is why she was a, kind of able to like skirt around it is because she, I mean, probably has better technology than her dad. So she had, that's yeah. kind of a good point. Her response yeah. to him being a little helicopter is that she got good at hiding stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and she got, you know, and, and I think like, this is a conversation. We kind of talked about this with Megan a little bit with Mithrigan. Uh, I think we're going to have to call it Mithrigan from yeah. now on um, with Mithrigan and that, like kids are really good at technology. Like even young kids know how to like do things on their iPads. And like, how do you know how to do purchase things on your iPad at four years old? You know, like they just do, they just figure it out because they're on it and they just, it's their brains are wired are now like rewired to think in these like weird technology and internet pathways mm -hmm. on things. And it, I think that she, because as a response to him, like, like you said, hovering, a lot. I think she got good at knowing how to go through these channels and like hide her tracks as a response. Um, 
uh, Megan, it, 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 it kind of along your lines, my parents are also pretty protective when we were like little, like, um, we lived in a pretty safe neighborhood. We lived in a, you know, a rural area in Illinois. It was a very, very safe town. And we lived in like a outside of town in like a back cul-de-sac in like a nice little neighborhood outside of town. Like there was nobody out there and there was like just our neighborhood. But like even then my parents would like not let us like ride our bikes up and down the street or like go to our friend's house without like watching us walk all the way there kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, and like make sure that the mom on the other side like also was watching us. And once they got there, they were like on the phone with each other like, oh, they're here and things like that. Yeah. And like yeah. but like that, that got looser and looser as we got older, obviously. Yeah. And yet my mom still asked me to text her when I fly home from St. Louis to here. She's like, text me when you land, text me when you get back to your apartment. Like, I just want to know that you got there safe. It's like, it's going to be 3 a.m. by the time I get there for you. Yeah. that I My parent or my mom was very similar. She was a little bit less. So, you know, she would let me go to a certain stretch of our street without, mm-hmm. you know, she was like, you can go from here to here. I'll be inside. She like, she was a single mom. She's working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, uh, that kind of worked to my favor. I think she would have been a little more helicoptery if she had like the capacity, but she was so busy that she was like, please be careful. I'm watching, but like you can go this far. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a little bit different, but I also, the thing of like texting when you land, I do that with friends. So maybe I'm a helicopter friend, but I, uh, me and my friends will be like, even leaving the wedding. It was, you know, text me when you get to the hotel, text me when you get home safe, like to, to Tennessee. Well, um, so like, it's just, care to me that's how i show that i care like just well i think because we're all in our like late 20s to early 30s now i think we're becoming like more we've lived more and so we know that the world is very dangerous (laughs) and at any time something could could happen to somebody you care about very very much and you do want to know that they're safe Mm -hmm. and so like when you're like in your early 20s or your teen teens you don't you feel invincible you don't think anything's nothing's gonna happen like like, you know the way teens are my parents were we're pretty like, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> pretty like hands off a lot of times, but like they always knew wanted to know where I was. So like, but at the same time, like, you know, I lived out in the country. So like sometimes when, when I was a really small kid, like eight to, you know, 10, we would just go walking in the woods for Dude's hours. You know? Same. We would disappear into the, what we, we called the creek. We would disappear into the creek for yeah. hours and like yeah. no one would know where we were until we came home. We would do that on vacation when we were like, we had a cabin that was in the middle of the woods when there was like no one else around. We would do that. Not, not when I was like at home. But yeah. Uh, I, one, one winter, uh, I was maybe like seventh grade, I think. Um, it had sleeted. It snowed like a lot. And then it sleeted. So the snow was all like iced over on top. So obviously school was canceled. So my buddy came over and we were hanging out and we went out into the woods, into the creek, uh, in this like sleeted over snow. And like, it was like cool. We were like sliding around those woods and we found this like, uh, like a ravine where like the creek starts. Right. And we were just sitting like on the edge and he slid down on accident. He was just sitting and he went and slid down. And I was like, get out, like, get out of there. What are you doing? And as he was trying to come out, he fell through the ice. And there oh, was like, wow. there was oh like five feet of water underneath it. Oh. So he falls in and then I'm trying to get him out. And then I slide down mm-hmm. and then he, and then he breaks the ice under me and I fall in. So now we're both like in the middle of the woods 
submerged in ice water, like maybe like probably like a half a mile and three quarters of a mile away from my house. Uh, right. And so, so That's I'm able to like get myself over to the side of the ring, but it's, again, it's all sleeted over. So it's all ice, but I'm able to somehow claw my way out and he, he can't. So I like lower a branch down to him and like slide him out. He lost a shoe. <laughs> and so we had to trudge back to the house soaking wet in the freezing cold. And like, it, w- it could have been really bad. We both could have died. Yeah. And like, and like, obviously my mom was pissed, but like we were, we're both okay. My mom being a nurse and my dad being a doctor, like knew exactly what to do. Like put, put us in, in baths of like luke, lukewarm water and let our body temperature like gradually come back up to yeah. avoid like shock and things like that. So my, my family knew exactly what to do. Luckily, um, it could have been bad, but like things like that happen to me all the time. But the big one for me about like feeling, feeling that fear of my parents feeling like something bad may have happened to me and like nothing had, but like seeing that fear in them while it like frustrated me at the time, like looking back, like, Oh wow, that was like a really, probably a really scary time for them. My, my family was out of town, I think with my brother, um, for a baseball thing. Uh, I was 17, 16 or 17. Um, I was playing on a select baseball team. And we had a coach that just like wasn't really good at communicating things. And so I was also taking bass lessons at that time. So I had a bass lesson scheduled for, on a Sunday. And I was getting ready to go to my bass lesson. And then I get a call from my teammates like, hey, like, where are you? I'm like, what are you talking about? And it's like, didn't you, didn't you get the text from coach? We have a game in like an hour that we're like leaving for. And I was out of town. It's like, oh, shit. Okay. Uh, so I just like left and forgot to go tell my – call my bass instructor that I wasn't coming. And I forgot – my phone at home. And so I left the house in a rush with all my baseball stuff so I could get to the caravan to follow everybody to the game. And so I'm at the game and all of a sudden all these pa- all the parents are coming up to me like berating me being like like what the fuck is wrong with you? I was like what did I do? Like your parents have been calling for like 2 hours. Yeah. Wondering where you are cuz your your base teacher called them and said you didn't show up and you're not answering. And they didn't know I had a game either. No one knew how we had a game. <laughs> so, like, everybody was freaking out. So, like, they called the hospitals. They called the police. They called, like, all, all – they did the whole thing because they had no idea where I was. And, like, I was pissed off because everybody was mad at me. Yeah. At the time. Like, I was really mad. Um, but, like, looking back, it was like that must have – they were out – they weren't even in town. It's like there's nothing they could do. There's no way of getting a hold of me. You know, I just didn't show up. So I could have easily have gotten into a car accident on my way to my base, you know, because it, it was in a different town. So I, it was like a 45-minute drive for this guy. So at any point, I could have, like, <laughs> crashed and died, and they would have had no idea. And so yeah. I get it. I get I was, like, looking back at it now as an adult, I'm like, that must have been – they must have felt so scared. But I know what you mean time. when you're a kid. I was very similar. Um, I had a tendency to wander. Um, mm-hmm. I remember we were like at a, uh, my grandparents had a condo when I was little and there was one time we were visiting and I just left the room and went down. I was like, I was just hanging out like underneath the stairs, just like mm-hmm. having a grand old time, just sitting there thinking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember my mom ran up to me and was like, where were you? And was so angry. And I was like, I was just hanging out. Like everybody was busy. I figured I'd do my own thing. And she was like, you can't do that. And I was like, why? Like I was fine. <laughs> Um, and that happened like a fair amount, my poor mother. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there were a few times where like after school, I would always, uh, in elementary school, I had like an after school care I went to after class. It was like in our cafeteria. It was at the mm-hmm. elementary school. And uh, uh, my grandpa some days would pick me up a little earlier. If my mom was picking me up, it would be like late, late. It would be like six o'clock. Mm-hmm. My grandpa was picking me up. It would be like three thirty four. So mm-hmm. some days I would go, my teacher uh, would like be like, you can just stay in the class and help me like grade papers. And mm-hmm. I was a super cool kid. <laughs> like help for grade papers or organize things or whatever. And I would never tell anybody, like I wouldn't tell the daycare. I wouldn't tell, I had like a like shitty little phone that I could Mm. text my grandpa and be like, Hey, I'm over here. And I just wouldn't. So there were days where I would open my phone after an hour with my teacher and it would be like eight missed calls from my grandpa. And then he would like, I would go back to daycare and be like, Hey, what's up? And he was like, I thought you were kidnapped. Like I fully thought you were dead. And I was like, I need, everyone needs to calm down. Everything's chill. So, but yeah, looking back at that, I would have been livid with myself if I were my caretaker. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, I understand that feeling of when you're a kid being like, why is everyone mad at me? Like I didn't do anything. I guess I had a really long leash. Like I, <laughs> I, I had to like call my parents once a day. But other than that, I could, stay i would stay at like friends houses for like five days at a time you know like uh sometimes you know once i had a car like sometimes we would just try to get lost like we would just get in the car and actively try to get lost we would drive (laughs) uh we would drive over the mountains here and like into north North carolina oh i'm not even a parent and that would that would freak me out knowing that my child is going up into those mountains and knowing how dangerous those roads are. Yeah, we would just I sound like a fuddy duddy, I'd hate it, but it's Oh, true. I would have hated it too. I just come I guess where I'm from and like at the time, I'm a little bit older than y'all, so like like you know, I grew up I I, I remember a time without the internet, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I remember like I didn't have the internet until eighth grade, you know. Mm-hmm. So like I, you know, you just, you just did stuff, you know? And like, and as long as my mom heard my voice every night, she trusted that I was fine. You know, the only time that (coughs) technology was ever used against me uh, and I got in trouble uh, was not my parents, but so I was dating, it was like, I had just gotten my first girlfriend and, uh, we went to church together on a Sunday. We went to her church. It was one of our first like allowed to be together dates, right? Like without any chaperones. Church makes sense. Yeah. So we went to church and uh, we were allowed to go get some food after church. And her church was really early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And my parents' churches church started at noon. So like there, it was like 10 o'clock when we got out of her church. So we had two hours and we went back to my house because there was a jacuzzi instead of going to eat. And her mom just had a gut feeling and called my parents' church. The church. They called the church yeah. directly. Is he in the congregation yeah, right is now? Is he in the congregation right now? And so, uh, in a very inopportune moment, uh, my parents came home uh, and I got in big trouble. 
big trip. That's the only time I ever got grounded in my whole life. Oh, geez. Oh, man. Rotary phone. Who knew? Yeah. Well, you know, man, like, to give my parents credit, my parents did trust me a lot. Like, I had a lot of free reign to do stuff. But my mom in particular, and I love her for this, but she takes after her mom, who also is this. There, she's a warrior. My mom like goes to the the nth severity on everything. Like when I was learning how to drive, I would refuse to to do my like driving like uh, my like permit hours with my mom because every single thing was like intense. You, oh, there's a stop sign. Oh, you're like the the lane. Oh, there's a car coming, and it would be like you're stressing me out, woman. <laughs> everything was just. She's a warrior. She like is there all the time. My and mom so, is a warrier too. My, my, my mom trusts me very much, but like, but like things like when this big thing would happen, where it's like we cannot get a hold of you, I'm freaking. She just her brain just goes to almost like the same place as like David does in this movie. My mom goes to like the worst possible active outcome. active mode. Let's call the police. Let's call the hospitals. Like my mom just like goes because yeah. she her brain goes to the worst possible scenario. But I I yeah I have a tendency to do that too. Like if I don't hear from somebody who I know traditionally would follow up, I will be really worried. And I've only recently been able to regulate regulate that a little bit better. But I think I inherited that from my mother. Cause again, same, same as with you, Ricky, my mom does, she gave me pretty, you know, free reign. I just had to be like, Hey, I'm okay. And Mm. then on the phone. And then she was like, all right, as long as I know you're okay. Um, But like, I've, you know, it's so interesting because I kind of don't know when it'll happen when her like worry will really kick in. Cause I've Mm -hmm. like, you know, I was in Spain for nearly two months last year and she was like, yeah, just call me whenever. It was like very chill. And then the other day we had this snowstorm, not the other day, like a month ago, we had this snowstorm here and um, she had driven into town that day and our power was out because of it. So I had like fallen asleep. And so she got into town, hadn't heard from me for a bit, for some reason assumed that I had gone out and that I was like in a ditch somewhere. And so I woke up from a nap and I, there was like this banging on the door I like five was dark. I was so freaked out and I opened the door and it was my mom. And she was like, I didn't hear from you. And I just got into town and I checked in the hotel and came straight here. And I was like, I'm fine. Our power's out. Like <laughs> it was, it's so strange. The, the yeah, difference. My, my mom still to this day, anytime there's a large car accident on like one of the highways mm-hmm. out here, like a pileup type situation, some kind of, you know, or, I mean, to, on a, sad, a much, much sadder note, when there's a shooting out here, mm-hmm. yeah, my mom still calls or texts me and is like, yeah. I just want I heard there was a shooting. I just want to make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like, it's like the odds of me being in any of those places at those times are so small. I mean, yeah. this city's so big and there's so many people here. And yet every time I get a text, you know, the one with the Monterey one that just happened, mm-hmm. they got a text, hey is that anywhere near where you live? And I, I was at work at the time, so I didn't see that text yeah. for a while. And then my dad texted me and was like, Hey, like, you need, are you okay? Like, tell, like, sure you tell your mom you're okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, like, that's nowhere near me. That's like hour, an hour or something away from where I live. Like not even close. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well we don't know that, but you know, it's just when know, those, every like, time when those moments just, you know, trigger that mm-hmm. memory of them, like to, or that, feeling of like I they remember that danger exists and they're just like I just didn't need to make sure you're okay because like when my mm-hmm. mom did that you know it was in the middle of a snowstorm and people were getting like trapped in their cars so I guess it's just in those more stressful circumstances mm-hmm. that's their first 
instinct, which yeah. you can't really fault them for. No, exactly. And I think like none of us are parents yet. But even now, I think with like people that we're very protective of our friends, our siblings, like we have those moments too. And that's not even our children. And I feel like that's even different. Like, well, I think, I think we can probably relate. I mean, I, I mean, the most tangible evidence of this for most people is like relationships and, and knowing what your partner is doing. Mm. You know, that's like, I would say a bridge because we don't have kids. Right. But like being in a relationship, like technology, especially today makes it so much more intertwined, you know, and you can constantly know where your partner is. And like, there is, you know, I, I think that's where people can connect to this film probably the most because they've, you know, never had a kid get kidnapped. Not most people. Right. Well, not even just your partner. I think that's very true, Seth, but also like when my roommate doesn't come home, when I think she's going to, I text her. And if I'm like, you know, if I'm going to be later than I think, if I don't text her the next morning, she's like, glad you're alive. I was a little worried. Like, and I'm sure that has something to do with, you know, we're both like young women and being out late automatically, our brains are like, oh, hope she's okay. But, you know, I check in with the people who, you know, normally know where I am if, if they don't, if they don't know or something might seem off, I try to check in. I'm sure that's partly because of the way my mom reacted when I didn't, and I should have. She never really like, grounded me. It was just like the fear on her face. I was like, oh, God, okay. <laughs> Shouldn't do that ever again. Um, but I think that stuck with me, that like, this is how you show you care. I, I think there's just such a reminder. And I, I had this situation recently, not recently, but um, I, I've talked about my brother on here a, a time or two, and some of his struggles and like I do constantly have a fear for him of like what could happen to him. And like when I think about it, it does make me very like overly, overly sensitive and overly emotional. Um, Cause again, I'm here and it's like, I can't do anything if something does happen and I can't help. Um, and like that's somebody I'm just, like, I'm super overprotective of him. Maybe and I'm sure he gets annoyed by that because I like I you know I kind of do the th- the parent thing where I kind of like lecture him sometimes. I'm like, hey, you do you know like the, I'm sure that annoys the crap out of him. Um, but it's just because like there's a there's a he's my younger brother and there's like this big like really overprotective feeling that I have for him and that if something bad would happen to him and I I would freak out. You know, I really really would. Um, and Seth, I think your your comparison to Taken for this movie is such a good comp in that it's a, a different way to frame a very similar feeling of like this really intense shame in that I couldn't protect – I have the power to protect somebody and I didn't or it's my responsibility to text for somebody and I failed. And it has the ultimate cost if I, if I fail a second time. Mm-hmm. If I don't find my daughter, I failed twice yeah. and I'm – and you know, I'm a failure as a father, which is like the worst thing you could possibly fail at. Well, that kind of bridges into like my, my theme glean or whatever. Yes. Gleam, gleam that theme. Uh, so for me, this movie is about really knowing someone like actually knowing someone, truly knowing someone, not just knowing where they are or having information on them or being able to monitor, monitor their well being 
or like helicopter parent, but like actually knowing and trusting somebody and like connecting with them. And there's a big difference in that than, than human connection and human, humanly knowing someone as opposed to like doing it through the internet, you know, doing it online. Um, Oh, I called the fish and chips, baby. Half court. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's too fishy of a name. Too fishy of a name. Too fishy of a name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's also similar to what my theme gleam is, is like, yeah, like, this movie is called Searching. And, like, for me, a lot of the times when I'm looking for what a movie is trying to connect with or it's trying to convey to me, I look at what, like, the title of the movie is, and it's Searching. And so, like, obviously, it's playing on the double meaning of, like, searching as in searching for somebody who's missing but and searching, like, internet searching. Like, I get the, the double play there, but also I think there's a third layer to it, yeah. which is, like, the searching, like you said, says searching for connection. Yeah. And searching to know, to truly be seen. Um, And I think for me, it comes out in the moments of like where we see, where we're going through some Hercasmes and you see one where David pops in for a second, where it's like the anniversary of of their mother's, of her mother's death. And she's looking for him to sit, to talk to her about it. He's, she's like, we've never talked about it. We don't talk about it. And like she's like, I want him to to talk to me about it. Yeah. And he walks in, and it looks like he's going to, and she's looking for him to do it, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. And and she sees him pull away from it, you know, and she feels it, and so that tells her to not bring it up, right? It she's taking her cue from him. He doesn't want to talk about it, so I won't talk about it. And I think he might think that he's connecting with her. Because he texts all the time and, and calls he's present, the- and they watch their shows together. Yeah, and he's he gets- like, "Do you want to watch The Voice?" Yeah, and so he's he's using that as a band aid for the real harder, right. the harder connection. Right, but he he's too hurt and he's too vulnerable mm-hmm. to to, and he thinks that maybe talking about it with her is going only going to hurt hurt her more. Yeah, and so she's looking for him to open the door, and he's not. And so she goes looking for other ways of, of outlets. She starts experimenting with drugs. She starts doing this cast me looking for connection out, out in the internet that -hmm. she's not getting at home, which leads to all this stuff happening. Right. Um, And I think it's so interesting that like, it's kind of what this show is kind of all about is like us looking for connection, looking for, the things in other people that like give our life some kind of semblance of like meaning and lessons to be learned from tragedy and trauma. It reminds me of the, um, in the past couple of years, um, a movie that it takes place entirely on a computer. It's hard to not reference like how much we were all on our computers in the COVID thing Mm. and how there've been all these studies about how teenagers mental health has really suffered because of it or, or maybe not because of it, but it seems like it's because of it. I don't know if they've proven it, but that correlation between depression and things like that and teenagers and kids and how not having those, you know, those social interactions outside of a computer have hindered their emotional and their intellectual and um, spiritual growth and health. Mm-hmm. Like those, 
you know, a Zoom call isn't a replacement for a face-to-face conversation. Exactly. And, and like I said, we talked about when we talked about Mathree again of like – we have to because otherwise otherwise it just gets confusing yeah (laughs) thanks a lot megan yeah (laughs) Uh, no uh and seth for picking with three again um but we we mentioned it like like we're having conversations right now through the computer through a screen and it gives us a a barrier like a, a one step separation in order to like maybe be a little bit more vulnerable than we might be in a room together because the energy is just different when you're in a room with a person than when you're in your room alone talking to a, a camera. Yeah. Um, and like, what does that do to somebody? Like not actually feeling the presence of that person and feeling like you're just like talking into a void and being vulnerable. And even like somebody is like on the other side of the camera on the other side of the screen is like, I see you, but like there's that, there is that separation that like, keeps it from feeling real and then, I mean, like you said we see it deteriorate margot's margot's mental health and her her happiness she's not a very happy person she doesn't maintain friendships she's she eats alone constantly she quits something that she loves because it's just too painful she again she starts experimenting with drugs she has a connection with her uncle which is good but that connection is more so she can smoke unless i mean she talks to him but like he doesn't he doesn't seem like he offers her a whole lot of insight into things. He just lets her vent, which is a good thing, but like he doesn't then like provide any type of closure on any of those things. He just lets her say what she needs to say and then lets it go. Because he can't really provide right. closure for something. Right. She needs it from, from David. She needs it from her dad. Um, it also um, shows the complicated it's I don't know I think it's interesting that it also kind of addresses how her memories of her mother can be preserved through those things online um but also how that's not necessarily I mean it's obviously not a replacement for that and it's not doesn't really ease any of that pain but it is you know something to hold on to and some kind of tool to remember the people we love and and have a part of them around, um, but it's not them, you know, it's I, still to deal with that grief still. I did like that part of this movie of like, because I think a lot of movies coming out nowadays are like, technology's bad, technology yeah. bad, you know what I mean? The dangers of technology, and this has a little bit of that. It's less about the technology itself and more about the people who use it. It's more don't trust Deborah Messing. Right, right. Yeah. Don't trust Deborah Messing. I never trusted Grace. I knew it the whole time. (laughs) That's why I don't watch that show. I've never trusted her. (laughs) I love that show. I love Megan Mullally, though. (laughs) Um, But what I'm saying is, like, people can use technology in different ways. You can use it as a way to hide who you are. You can use it as a way to present who you are. You can use it as a way to find information. Like, there's lots of ways to use it. And some people can use it well and, and, and honestly and genuinely. You know, she's still a good person. Like she, she was talking to somebody who she thought was a real person, and that person needed help, and so she gave her twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, and like that's a really wonderful and nice and generous thing to do. Um, Your faith was misplaced. Your trust was misplaced, and that's like the more of the cautionary part of this movie. It's like, look, like some people can use technology for a good thing. If we didn't have technology, she couldn't have just wired somebody that she thought needed help money, like in that way. Uh, would never happen so like there are good things and then like you said the preservation 
of something special, like her relationship with her mom and being able to to relive and still have that stuff there, I think is something that people from past generations have photo albums, but photos degrade over time and and, and a picture on the internet or video does mm-hmm. not. You can have that forever. Like the gumbo recipe. Like, yeah, and I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Like you're right though, that's not her mom. That's yeah. not never gonna replace her mom, but it's nice to to be able to have that to go back to. This is where like I I I disagree. I mean, I kind of kind of am a like I'm just as guilty of technology addiction as everybody else, but I kind of hate it. Like I kind of I don't like that I can go through my phone and look at pictures. Uh, I don't like. I don't. I don't like. I don't like being bound by those things. Like I don't like being reminded of things I've lost or times that have changed. Like I would rather be in the present moment and enjoy and try to enjoy now then go back and sent, be sentimental over something like that's that's interesting past. in me Seth cuz mm-hmm. cuz for me I, I understand what you're saying it's interesting that you look back on those things and the way you phrase it was things that i've lost mm-hmm. as in like there's a there's a sadness of to looking back at things for you oh yeah Definitely. Like, like, like there's a, like a good, like you, there's good in like the memories and things like that, that you obviously feel the sentimentality, but it seems like more, more so the overwhelming feeling that you get from that is a sadness of like a, a an existential sadness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I totally understand. I get that. I, I, um, I don't, I mean, that's the problem with, I, I don't think technology is the way we're supposed to move through the world. It's mm-hmm. the way we've learned to, but I don't well, think it's definitely not a natural progression. Obviously no. I mean, it's not an, it's something that we've made that never was meant to exist per like, se. I think we're meant to forget. Like, I think we're meant to, that's how you heal. You know, like, like if, if you have to like, like be reminded uh, like Facebook memories. So I, I do like, there are some Facebook memories I like to see. Right. Like sometimes I've written a joke that I, forgot I wrote and my Facebook will remind me of that joke. And it's like, Oh, cool. I would have never remembered this joke. If you know, mm-hmm. Betty White is always going to be old news, you know, like, like, <laughs> that is a good joke. Did you miss it, Megan? I did. I said, I got then. what I said, uh, I said, uh, Betty White is always going to be old news. Like she's never not going to be old news. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but so like I, that, that, I got a reminder of that, but also like an ex that you haven't seen in 10 years that you really cared about, but didn't work out. And it's like all that baggage just like punches you in the face because of like some sort of message that was sent, you know, like, I just don't think that human beings are meant to, wallow in their sentimentality and their memories like like some people can just like sit there and go through their old picture all the pictures on their computer over and over and over again and i'm just like i could not do that 
I think that's an unhealthy. I think that's when someone's using it in like a, an unhealthy way. Yeah, I think there's tool. Like I said, I think there are tool. Every tool can be used in an unhealthy yeah. way. I mean, you know, your it's your relationship with anything in particular that causes it to be a worthwhile, enriching life, enriching thing, or something that's an unhealthy thing. And I think to push to you know to use your own words against you to push back on that a little bit. Um. Sometimes I think you're saying forgetting is how we heal, but also sometimes forgetting is how we repress. Mm. Like, yeah. like a lot of people are choosing to forcefully forget things that they yeah. have to, they, they need to deal with. And it's easier to forget and to think you've moved on and you're healthier for it. But cause it's harder to remember those things. And like, sure. Like those things are sad and can bring up baggage, but it's like, those are, I think that's the human experience of like, Oh yeah, I have baggage here that I need to acknowledge. You know, and that's honestly, this is me being a little bit hypocritical here because I, I, I repress everything, right? Yeah. All these emotions and feelings that I do all the time, I've talked about it, is my main thing is I take it and I push it down and I don't outwardly express that I'm dealing with it, right? Mm-hmm. And so those things get forgotten and get internalized until something like a movie or a, or a Facebook memory pops up and you're like, oh, that feels bad to look at. I don't want to look at that. Yeah. Why, but that's because that's the trauma and baggage that you're not dealing with. And and it's okay to not – to feel sadness, to feel regret, to feel yeah. like – but like some, more often than not, when I look back at stuff, it's more I'm glad I had that memory and I'm glad I was reminded of it. Um, and, and if I could get into a more personal reason on this – and why maybe this movie connects with me more than it might connect with you two. And you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but like, so there's this whole opening sequence of this movie with the, with the mom, right? The whole, it's basically an, an up sequence. Yeah. If you guys, uh, it's and, and I think it's a really good sequence. It's actually my favorite part of the movie for sure. Um, and we see this whole life that we think is going to be about the daughter and the daughter growing up and things like that and watching her grow up. But then we it becomes uh, a journey more about the mom to her to her passing uh, of cancer. And so for me, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was a senior in college. Um, it was a shock. Um, we had never had any form of cancer in the family at that point. Um, so it was a pretty big surprise. Um, and again, my mom being kind of this angel of a person that kind of is like the glue that holds our family together she is like you know because we're all a lot of us are really stubborn we're very outspoken we seth knows this we like to antagonize and needle each other it's seth will even say like he's like i had to get used to that with you with you because <laughs> because it's how my family kind of interacts with each other it's not and i had to learn over time that's not how everybody interacts with each other um but it's how my family does and so my mom's just like very sweet and emotional glue that makes sure that this family like doesn't push each other away too much. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> come, come on back here. Um, and it's really, really nice. And so like when we were obviously very, very worried about her when she was diagnosed, it was like all those thoughts of like, what would happen to this family if we lost my mom mm-hmm. and like, what would that do to us? Um, and it was really tough, but, and she, she got through, I've never seen my dad so emotional as when during this time, um, during, in our family. 
Um, luckily, my mom went into full remission. We, you know, she had a double mastectomy. She's good. She's been cleaned for almost 10 years now. It'll be 10 years next year. Yeah. Nice. Completely clean. It's been great. But, you know, there's always that looming fear because once you get cancer one time, it, you know, go live long enough afterwards, it almost always comes back. Mm-hmm. Almost always. And, like, I know several people in my life who had that happen. I had a, a teacher, a fourth grade teacher who had it. And then she, she went into remission and she, she was great for like 15 years afterwards. And then all of a sudden it came back and she was dead within like two months. Wow. Like that's the kind of stuff that like, that like it is the same as breast cancer as well. So like that fear is, is in, like when I think about my mom, it's like that fear is there all the time. Every time I talk to my mom, it's like, could this be the last time, you know, that mm-hmm. I talk to her? Cause that, that fear is there always. And the effect that it has on on David and it has on Margot is like something that I feel viscerally, mm. and I like I can see how it completely wrecks their family. You know, there's just a sadness that they both have on them all the time, uh, a, like a a sense of feeling lost without this person. You know, like even throughout the movie, like hey, like what was that recipe that that she used to make? Let me go find it. Like uh, the the recovery email for Margot's Facebook is her mom's email because her mom set it up for her when she was when she was younger, mm-hmm. right? And so it, it's just everything is like funneled through this this person, this whole this whole family funneled through this woman, and now that she's not there, the family doesn't function. And so seeing that and seeing the fallout of that of being like the consequences could be so dire of that kind of loss. I definitely connect to that very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, I, I, and I think that feeling that the movie opens up with kind of really probably sustains me for the rest of the movie where mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't for, for you two, which is fair, but um, yeah, it's, there was a connection and there was a strong family there. And then it was broken apart by this horrible, horrible, thing um so yeah i totally i totally feel that i feel it i feel it in my in my bones this fear and this deep deep sadness of like their their loss is so hard and then to see it all through that the way it's told that first person mm -hmm. you know you're looking at their screen you feel like you could be them clicking on all those things and Mm -hmm. yeah i'm sure that it's even harder to watch Mm -hmm. when it brings up those things yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I do think, I guess what I'm harping on is like, I don't know. It's not healthy that you can go back and re-experience your dead wife making food. I don't, I don't think that's good. I don't. Yeah, how about we've been doing that? Like recipes are passed down and have been forever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. Recipes. Yes. But not, you're not watching a video with your daughter. Like, like, like I just, I guess, why do you you think that's unhealthy though? Hmm. Like, why do you think, I guess, why do you think it's inherently net negative as far as being net neutral? Because I guess, 
I'm, I'm, I'm kind of circling in on some feelings here. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to, I don't know, I, it is a, an emotional reaction uh, that I'm trying to put words to still. Yeah, no, uh, I, and I, I, I see that, and that's why I'm, that's why I'm asking because it, it has to do with like it. I do have like this very, and I'm very anti where technology's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, just I just see it as like it is, it is bad. I just think it's bad. Um, it is useful. It is a tool for sure, um, but I don't think it's good for humanity um i think that i think it's evolving faster than we can so it's going to eat us and um the more so what's happening even like in a on a societal level like the access to information that we have right like this movie shows us how much information we can access you know we can solve mysteries at home on our computer because of the internet, you know, and, but really what the internet is teaching us is how much we don't know. The more information you have available, the more diluted the world becomes. It's like, the more, you know, the more, you know, you don't know, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and (sighs) what this movie's doing is, is it's showing, yeah, you can, yeah, you can probably uh, solve your daughter's mystery on your computer, but if you just had a relationship with your daughter, it would never have been a mystery, you know, like, and so I just think, I just think we are, yeah, we're being consumed by these, this stuff. I don't think that this disconnection between parents and their children is something that's unique to to the technological age. I don't either. So I don't, so like I I don't disagree with you that like this might this like she may have not gone on to cast me if she didn't feel like she needed an outlet for for something or she needed to be seen by other people if she had a relationship with their dad. But but again, I don't think that I think that if technology was not involved here. If that mom, again, losing that person that that's this, such an integral part of this family happened in a vacuum of like no computers, I still feel like the father might be super distant. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a good point. And I think people, even without those losses, like, again, my dad is kind of withholding. Yeah. Uh- and, and he grew up without computers and his dad was even more withholding. You know, I hear stories about his dad and, you know, my, you know, I, my, I was kind of young when his dad passed away, my grandpa passed away, but like he treated me like a little prince. He gave me candy and money and let me do anything I wanted because he's the grandpa. Right. And I thought he was awesome. As I grew up, I heard, I learned a lot of not very good things about him. Um, like my grandma and my grandpa did not sleep in the same room. I never thought about it when I was little. As to why that is, learn why that is later, and just to say he's not—he was not a, the best person, you know. And but from my perspective, he was great. But like, he was not a very loving dad to my dad. 
and that's why my dad is better, but still a product of who he was raised by. Yeah. And um, I think remembering those things and even technology's role in remembering those things, if we just, you know, forget what came before us, you know, it's classic. We're more likely to make those mistakes again if we push it down. So I think that it's key to to growth. Seth, I totally, I, I know what you're saying because I agree. Like it's a terrifying world that technology is creating and it's one that like makes it so easy to pretend to be connected to somebody and not really be and to like, I don't know, either and completely. We, I, so I want you to finish. I just, there, I don't think we're, I don't think we know, like we might know facts more, but we're not learning. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I agree. I also, I think my thing at this point, and maybe this is a little nihilistic, but I feel like we're already here and technology is going to do what it's going to do. And I, I don't know how to fix it. So all I can do is like, I mean, if the world is heading toward like a robot takeover, then I'm going to enjoy the parts of technology that I like. And those are, you know, going back on memories that I have with my family and my friends and, and we might as well get all the good stuff out of it. Cause I, I don't know how to like change the trajectory. All I can do is use it for what I think is like a healthier way to use it for. So I think there are ways where we can kind of like fight back with our own mindful, although it's really hard to be mindful with social media and technology. So I, I understand. I think my relationship with social media is maybe different than yours, Seth, particularly I, as in, I am not super into social media. I'm not really good at it. I, you know, I I post rarely. I'm not on it a whole bunch. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't participate quite as much as I think a lot of other people do in it. Um, and so like it doesn't kind of absorb my my thoughts as maybe as much as it does other people. But like for me to kind of like touch on a point that you said, Seth, is like. It, it's causing us to stop growing. I think it's kind of what you're saying. Like technology is like, is like it, information is easier to get to, but we're not actually learning anything about people anymore. Yeah. For, for me, or we're, my, we're learning too much about people. That's fair. Okay. For, for me though, I think my personal journey into like more, learning more and being more open about myself is like, has been 100% a result of like exposure to other things on the internet. So like, mm-hmm. Had I not had access to the internet, I wouldn't have necessarily been able to see the things that I needed to see or I would have been living under the roof of somebody who is not super emotionally expressive. And I wasn't for a very long time. I remember in college, even still like in the in the social media age when I was in college, my first major girlfriend was like, I can't – she's like, I don't ever – know what's going on inside your head because you're always presenting this one image of yourself and she's like i never know what you're actually experiencing and she's like and that's both scary and interesting Mm. um it's because i was super repressed right i was like just like hiding any kind of feelings i could possibly have about anything and presenting a super positive version of myself yeah, yeah I was safe. keeping myself very safe by just making it seem like I was okay all the time. Mm-hmm. And I still do this, but like to a lesser extent. But 
had I not gone out, met more people, put myself out there more in the internet and like absorbed the media that I have, I wouldn't have the language that I do now as far as talking about my feelings and talking about the person that I, that I am and the issues that I have. I would, would not have the language to do that without technology. I just wanted to, this is a great segue into one of my favorite parts of the film, which was the Tumblr moment. Um, I miss Tumblr very much. I know it's still a thing. I no longer have one because I'm 28. But I think (laughs) to your point, Ricky, like I, I feel like I experienced and like learned so much through particularly my Tumblr. I used it like I think a lot of people do, especially teenage girls to kind of create who you want to be. And maybe it's not completely, I mean, obviously it's not completely authentic. It can't be as nuanced as a person. Um, and you're not going to show all your like, I mean, some people use their Tumblr to show all like the more grisly bits, but I think I could kind of curate who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And that was a good foundation for like growing into that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that you fall into the danger of like that being your only thing. Some people, you know, or, or having people oversimplify you and assume you're that way all the time or the danger of personas online is this whole like you know this is my brand thing I hate that I think it's so people are not commodities or brands and you can be so complicated and messy and I think we're getting into a dangerous territory with that with like social media but I think the flip side of that is that like freedom to explore so many different sides of yourself and you know map out what you're interested in and what kind of person you want to be and connect with people like that and I think that's the positive of it. I would I just really, it took me back to see her Tumblr. Really took me back. <laughs> I, th- I, I think what we're, we're, we're circling here is that we all can concede that technology is dangerous. Okay. Technology is dangerous. We, it can be used detrimentally. It can be used to defraud. It can be used to hide. It can be used to disconnect from the world in a safe way, but still function as a living person. You could literally be in your room 24 seven and get meals brought to you and do work and get paid and make money and do all the things and never actually leave a room. You could do all of those things. You could have a whole life on the internet and that's not good. And I, I, and and some people have started to do that thing because it's easier to do it that way. Life is hard and life is traumatic (laughs) And you're right. It's a detrimental to our overall happiness. Yeah. People who do that are not, they're not happy. And I say that as somebody who's fallen into those spells before of like, I can't leave my room for days at a time. I'm not doing it. I don't feel like talking to anybody. Mm -hmm. And I worked from home and I just was not, I didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt, you know, safe. And well, that's the thing. I think those people would argue that there's no such thing as, you know, as more extent, there's no such thing as being happy because the world is not a happy place. And the world is not made to make you happy. And the world actually constantly is trying to make you not happy. Yeah, but it's just <laughs> is it's it safer. To be happy in the face is of it, that. Right. Is it better to be safe or is it better to to not? It's just more shit. Mm. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's like there's already physical shit. Like there's all already like you could get distracted in collecting magic the gathering cards. You know what I mean? Like For yourself. Well, I'm just saying like, or antiques or, you know, like it, like 
there's already the, all the physical shit. Now we have all the digital shit and the digital shit also leaves a record. So it's like, it's like your mind is now accessible. You know what I mean? Like the thoughts that you might be able to move past uh, normally uh, are now imprinted on a hard drive and somebody can access them, you know, or, you know, you got drunk and tweeted something you shouldn't have, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's, it's, there's no, there's no ephemery anymore. There's no, like, things don't disappear anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, like, it's, it, in some ways, it's harder to express yourself because of the permanence. Like, we're talking about, like, like, even on this podcast, like, I'm, you know, what if I say something I shouldn't say? you know, and then, uh, and then it's there forever. And then I get canceled or something, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's just, I don't know. I I'm, I'm circling this, like, I think there's a difference between knowledge and truth. Right. And we're just being overexposed to, to just so much data that it's diluting truth like mm. I, I i've called i've said that the time we live in is called the great dilution like we were sure about a lot of things and now we're not sure about anything at all and it's like almost like it, it, it like it's like in this country especially politically like your truth is what you decided to be and what your logarithm feeds you you know like i said in the car yesterday to my parents like like they were talking with Sarah's parents about a lot of stuff and they talked, they said, you know, it's hard to know what's true. And then I said, well, I think we're all learning that truth is relative depending on your perspective. Like, and they didn't like that. They didn't like, <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're of a different generation. Yeah. Not, you know, and, and, I think that the reason why they didn't like it is because that thought is scary. It is. To understand that, like, there aren't concrete things. Like, there, a lot of things are perception. A lot of things are... It, it, it's so tough to say what is, what is true and what is not true. I, it is. I think truth i mean this goes back to like subjectivity theory i think truth is the intersection of every point of view in the world forever like from the beginning of time to the end of it that intersection which we could never ever ever see because it's impossible for us to see it that's what that's the only truth there is and we're not going to get to it and i, I, I think i think i think we're tied personally a lot more to it than we realize and technology is a distraction from that truth or and it's one that makes us think that we're getting closer to it yeah which is especially dangerous yeah also truth is not the same as right or wrong you know truth is like what happened or, or what all the experience everyone had and that doesn't have as much to do with like maybe this thing happened but it can still be wrong you know like yeah. Yeah. or not i think that's also kind of that gets complicated and scary uh, facts facts aren't necessarily 
the truth, if that makes sense. Like, I think people maybe make those those words synonymous yeah. with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, what is factual is what is true. It's like, mm-hmm. I think that that overlaps sometimes, mm-hmm. but not always. Right. Like, what's factual doesn't mean it's it's telling the full perspective of something. Yeah. And I think that's something you that you get right. all it's the like facts and leave out one and it can completely change well, like, the truth. A, f- a fact is a fact until you look at it from different angles. And then that fact changes what it means, right? Yeah. A fact is a fact. But what does that fact mean changes based on the way you look at it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's scary to think that something concrete can actually be, like you said, a little bit more ephemeral, a little bit more of every, a little bit more of everything is scary. And it's 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 existential crisis right there. We right? are our society is in an existential crisis. Mm-hmm. It just reminds me of like, the, have you ever been in an argument with someone and they say something that like they for some reason firmly believe is true, and you're like, what? Like yeah. that is not what you said, or not what happened, and they are so firmly sure that that is what they said, mm-hmm. and and it's so frustrating and terrifying to well, be like, like our realities whole... are this different. Like you're living in this, you're in a whole different place than me. Yeah, well, to not even go on a whole nother tangent here, because I know we are running a little bit long here, but like the Mandela effect, people having factual memories of things that don't exist, mm. right? And they're sure, like our memories itself aren't great indicators of truth, of yeah. fact. Yeah. Our brains are not wired for for perfection. And so mm. things get distorted. Like I, I was listening to a podcast recently when they were talking about how, you know, when like you're like starting to fall. Or when something is happening and it feels like things are moving in slow motion. You ever had that happen? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, things aren't actually moving in slow motion. Um, obviously, things are moving at the speed that they move. And truthfully, you're not even perceiving them in slow motion. It's not like you're actually like pers- – what's happening is you're because your brain is being activated and stimulated in such a way, it's taking more stock – of like it's taking more images of the moment because mm. it's it's more active. And so basically you're remembering the moment as if it was slower because mm. your brain's like trying to put it all together faster for you to be able to to acknowledge what just happened. Right. So like your perception of it is that it went slower. Mm-hmm. But it obviously it didn't. But so your brain can work that fast all the time but it just doesn't. And it's so just, it's yeah. how you view it. And not to sound like a, you know, too like woo woo, but like that when you're doing yoga, that happens, you know, like if I like start to do yoga an hour later, I'm experiencing the world so much more like I'm in a different place in my own body. Mm. Um, And so I'm viewing everything differently. And that's, you know, that's an entirely different uh, thing than what we were just talking about the fact versus, you know, truth thing. But yeah, you can definitely kind of change how you're interacting with time and your environment and the world. I, I said to Sarah's mom, or I did, I didn't say this, but I wanted to say it. I, I wanted to say, prove that you're here right now. I hate <laughs> that. I hate when people. Seth like, loves to, like, Seth loves to go there. Are you still here when you blink? And I'm like, I'm almost positive. I am <laughs> almost. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know anything, but exactly. I think Seth- you have to accept that. And like, you know, the whole, there's the whole theory of like, if this is a simulation, like blah, 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 right? Well, it's like, well, you know what? If it is, what am I going to do about it? Right. Yeah, yeah. 
this you know and this even goes like to again back i think these two movies that we did with mithrigan and this one back to back kind of butt up to each other in some ways of like look if this is a simulation who's to say that it's not real quote unquote like if i'm a simulated ones and zeros thing like does that make my life that i'm experiencing any less real and vivid to me it doesn't is dear you gonna quote dumbledore (laughs) Just because it's not real, just because it was in your head, doesn't make it not real. Yeah. No, I think that that is, yeah. I, exactly. This is, this, I'm, I, I, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with conveying where my brain is at with this one. Uh, But I, I think there's something in you that's inherently looks, I think, looks at being able to remember, like, see physically re-experience a memory like not just in your mind but like in front of you that causes a reaction to you that's very very negative do you think it cheapens it is that is that it or makes it like less it's it it's weird so like it's has to do with like The, the thoughts okay i'm just gonna like try to say the thoughts that are in my head right now mm-hmm. like i used the like some of the thoughts they're going through are like i i used to really really worry about forgetting stuff like like i would replay memories in my head because i would be terrified that i would forget that memory of a thing because i wanted to hold on to that memory mm-hmm. uh and and then like that's connected to like my parents like tendencies to collect stuff and like hoarding old things and like growing up I just like I have I have lived my life in pursuit of transcending the stuff transcending like like I don't want stuff like I don't want to be held back by even my own thoughts you know like and so it's like, I just feel like technology is making it so much harder for you to be present. And um, like this movie is great in that it shows you how, the tools you can use, but it's also reflexive of how things are being lost. And I, I don't know. I just, I just think uh, there's something here that is existentially i'm trying to explain some sort of existential thing about where we're at and i don't i don't feel like i i think it's good to not know i think it's important to not know things uh it's it's like an ongoing question no one knows yeah. you know how well, this is affect to me hell is a closed system so the moment you know everything, the moment nothing can change. Mm. And I think in order for there to be growth or, I mean, I'm getting some weird shit here, but like, I think truth has to transcend our perception. Like it's not, it's, it has to be more than just the intersection of everyone's perception. It has to be something outside of it that is truth or there is no meaning. And that's terrifying to me. 
Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if meaning if meaning is just the creation of our minds, then it doesn't exist. So it sounds to me like it's less so about for you this this movie brings up feelings of like this this fear of 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 knowing where this movie is like literally about searching out information and and highlights that like how much we don't know about each other and how much of how much gets lost inside the internet of like the nuances of the human condition and how the expansion of the internet and the expansion of technology is, is, is in a pursuit of knowing every knowing how the universe works. Like we're in constant pursuit of understanding why everything functions the way it does more knowledge, more power. Right. And, and I think that's, that is what some people are using the internet for. And some people are using technology for, but I think for me, this movie, what it, it really conveys to me the most is an idea of balance. Like, you're right. There are tools. There are things that you can take from the internet, take from technology that you can use to your benefit and you can choose to engage with in any way that you like. However, don't do that at the detriment to your actual life. Like, this idea of like, hey, like, why don't you disconnect for a minute and like actually connect, go and be with people. I have like I have made knowledge an idol in my life. Mm-hmm. Like the more I know, the more safe I can be. But I've learned that that's not true. And it's almost like a prison. Can I ask you how that connects to your own like the memory thread before? Like how do you think that interacts with you holding on to your own memories or like being afraid to let them go? Are those memories part of that like you know, you have to track everything of your own experience, like God. to know yourself completely. Yeah, I guess. Like if I forget a part of myself, and are you yourself anymore? You know what I mean? Like it's like if there's like a core thing about like all you are is the amalgamation of all your memories, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like this is a, a me quote. But it's like, I've always said, you are not you, you are only what you are. You know, like your idea of yourself is not what you actually are. I think that leads into an interesting, is it's not, I think that's very um, like cerebral. Mm-hmm. It's very focused, like all up here. And I make them, I, I don't know if it's a mistake, but I do that a lot too, where I, I used to be very afraid of forgetting stuff. So that's where, that's why I think I started writing. Cause I was like, if I write it down, and like I turn it into a story or a poem, then like I'm sort of like wringing it all out of me and putting it somewhere else so I don't have to worry about remembering it later. I can just go back to it. Um, But I think lately I've been more into the idea of those memories and feelings being held in our bodies as well as our heads. Mm -hmm. So being able to trust that and kind of, you know, computers can never do that. Right. Computers technology can never hold our feelings and our memories the way our bodies can which I think is where we have the upper hand. Yeah. And, and for me, I guess it's interesting to that. Yeah. You're looking at like memory, like, like Megan said, so cerebrally. Um, so in the mind of like, of no remembering the information about a thing or like the situ remembering the actual physical situation for me, 
when I go back and I like watch like a, a video of something of, of a family event or look at my mom is a big scrapbooker. So there are lots of scrapbooks, ton, like books and books and binders and binders of Oof. my childhood. I would hate, I hate that. Oh, <laughs> I, I'll say this. I'll say this. I, I didn't like having my picture taken a lot. And I'm, that's one of the reasons why I'm not as into Instagram as other people are. Cause I don't like taking pictures of things. I don't, I, it annoys me that people are like, pose for the picture, do this, do this. Like it annoys me when someone asks me to like, stop enjoying the moment or like stop doing the moment so they can take a picture. Yeah. I'm very much that like, way. I, it bothers me sometimes. It also and, stores it differently. Sorry. Yeah. It's a little like there are studies that show if you take a picture of something, your, your brain stores that memory differently. Right. You like file it away is like, that's documented. You don't have to hold on to that. Yeah. And so I, I totally get this idea, Seth, of like the technology in the moment is ruining the moment sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that. But I will say, even though I don't go to those albums very much, sometimes when I'm like hanging out with my mom and we're down in her den, I'll like pull out a binder and there's one for me. There's, uh, there's some for me. There's some for my sister. There's some for my brother. It's nice to be reminded of moments that you've forgotten and be like, Oh my God. Like I remember that bir- your, my brother's birthday party. Like that was so much fun. I completely hadn't thought about that in like, there is a bit of, happiness and like I remember that I can't believe I forgot that a moment that I had had that was so fun at the at the time and like like, there was a there was yeah and there was a great reminder of that and like for me it's less so about the picture and more so about the reliving in my head because the picture is a still image or even a video of like even if you're watching it happen you're not really watching it from that perspective because when I see a video of myself, I'm not remembering it from this perspective. I remember it from my perspective, the way I felt and the way I was seeing it. Like that image reminds me of it, but it's that image can never replicate my experience, but it can remind me of it. And I, right. for me, I think that's – I like that. I don't like to take pictures and take myself out of the moment, but someone took a picture of me doing something and I get to see that picture later just because like it popped up on a, on a feed or my sister just posted some of uh, the wedding photos. I wasn't taking pictures of myself during that time while I was officiating the wedding, but someone did. And, you know, for me, it's great. It's really great to see that picture from, from, and remember like I posted that one of me, in front of the 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 wedding congregation and that was during and this is what's so funny it looks like that's during the wedding but that's actually not during the wedding that's while my sister was our the wedding was delayed because my sister was freaking out because the the resort ruined her wedding dress (sighs) so that moment of me us luckily she had a, a separate dress for the reception that she ended up wearing for the wedding what'd they do to the dress i'm sorry to they ironed it and it was supposed <gasps> to be steamed. Yeah. Three times. They ironed it three times. Oh Look my at Megan's face. I love it. Because <laughs> you don't get it, but she gets it. Not <laughs> Okay. It, it was bad. They oh ruined it. God. A $7,000 dress. They completely Oh, my wrecked. God. Yeah. So this is all happening in this picture. And that's why, that's why I love this. is Because this picture my sister sent me is me 
standing in front of the whole uh, congregation because we're wait we're delayed by an hour in the wedding because she's freaking out trying to figure out what she's gonna do. Yeah, and so I'm standing up there and I'm just entertaining the crowd. I'm va- I'm basically vamping for an hour. Crowd work, yeah. Crowd work. That's me vamping for wow. <laughs> for an hour. Wow. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, yeah, and like that picture when people look at it. They they think that one thing's going on, but me, I have this whole image of me standing in front of all my loved ones, basically, and his and Dakin's side of the family who I just met like a few days prior, and like basically, have you guys seen the movie Coming to America? I've never, I've never watched it. Uh, so Arsenio has this character who's like a, a preacher, and he talks like this. He's like, "We are gathered here today to celebrate," and he just talks like that the whole time. And my, my dad told me to do to do that. He's like, do do do, do coming to America. And so I was literally for like thirty minutes was doing this, uh, basically a whole set in this voice, <laughs> <laughs> and people were just cracking up. And then I get the word, okay, the bride's ready. Everyone, be serious. <laughs> uh, but I didn't have that moment. That that picture is taken from the photographer from outside. Mm. But when I saw that picture, I relived it from inside. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, it reminded me of like such a silly, shocking, potentially very upsetting moment. It just reminds me of all that joy that I was having. And like I, my brother's in the back just looking at me like, this guy is stupid. <laughs> He's like, what a stupid thing is happening. And it's great. It's great. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I think. I think we're still searching. Right. Well, that's. I think it's just complicated. There needs to be a balance because I during that moment, if I would have been trying to take a picture to remember that moment, it yeah. would have ruined it. And I get. So I get what you're saying. I think it's. It has to be. You have to have a healthy relationship with technology, but you also have to have an awareness to understand that it's dangerous and that it's potentially extremely detrimental to to your life. Right. You and it's very to, easy. You have to have a healthy relationship with technology. It's super easy to not because I think it plays into all of the things people have always wanted to do, which is like to be seen and to be understood and to capture moments and memories. And it offers all of that so conveniently. And it's so easy to make that your whole life. It's a, it's a temptation. It's, it's literally turning our minds inside out and showing the rest of the world, what humanity looks like. And I don't think we like it. It's dark for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think I was able to experience this movie through an idea of, for me, memory and like re-experiencing things, especially for somebody that represses so much, especially in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's like very potent, I guess, mm-hmm. is what I guess. Even joy, like even when I'm having a blast, it's yeah. getting absorbed and not maybe not being outwardly expressed, but it's being like funneled. Mm-hmm. And so like even reliving those moments of joy is very potent for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that's why I connect with this movie a little bit more so um, yeah. because it did break my heart when he's deleting deleting images and hiding and oh hiding and hiding stuff from his search so like like hiding videos so he does, when he searches he does yeah. they don't pop up like that breaks my heart that yeah. he's unable to even just look at videos of his wife he just can't handle it and that mm-hmm. hurts yeah because he's gonna want those at once he gets by it's that it's like thing of like when people like burn stuff sometimes 
Yeah. And then later down the road, they're like, I really wish I wouldn't have done that because some of those things could have been really nice to have. Yeah. And there was an emotional response to a thing of like wanting to forget, wanting to not re-experience, wanting to, to n- not process that causes us to want to push things away. And that's what in this movie we see, they don't, neither of them want to process. And so they hide things from each other and they hide things from themselves because they don't like the way it makes them feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the human experience is like remembering that you were sad and that things can bring kind of like inside out that movie inside out where it's like things can be happy and be sad at the same time. And you need to be okay with the fact that things can be tinged in lots of different complicated. Well, emotions. that's what makes things real, which is a whole nother. Exactly. Episode. And we've, and we've already gone longer than yeah. I think we've ever yeah. gone before. <laughs> so we're going to call it here. I know there's so much more to talk about. I think it made for an interesting conversation because we were on different feelings about a movie this time. Like we weren't like all like, we like, Oh, I loved it. It was like, we all had different varying feelings about the movie. So I think it made for a conversation where we didn't necessarily agree, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was our conversation about searching. Anybody out there who's watched it and wants to chime in with how you felt about it, please do. Um, we'd love to hear from you all. Uh, but it's time to talk about what's next and it is Megan's turn to pick what is next. So Megan, what are we going to be watching next time? We'll be watching Roman Holiday. Roman Holiday, the classic. <laughs> I have never yes. seen this movie. One of my all-time favorites. I love it so much. <laughs> All right. So for any of you out there, we're going to be watching Roman Holiday. That movie is from 1953, which makes it the, the oldest film that we've done to date. Taking it back. Um, yeah, taking nice. it way back. If you want to watch Roman Holiday along with us, there's several ways that you can do that. You can watch Roman Holiday for free on Pluto TV. You can also watch it if you have a subscription to YouTube Primetime, Paramount Plus, the Roku channel, and Amazon Prime. And you can also pay to rent it on Google Play Movies, Redbox, Apple TV, and Vudu. So there are lots of different ways for you to access this movie. If you have any of those subscriptions, uh, again, Pluto TV free, so you can go and watch it there. Um, so anybody can check it out. Uh, yeah, but uh, that is our episode today. Uh, we're going to call it here. Uh, Megan, go ahead and shout yourself out so everybody knows where they can find your lovely self. Sure, you can find me on Instagram, uh, M-E-A-G-H-A-N underscore Jane 61. All right. Thank you. Seth, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Seth Adam Crow. That's always Crow with an E. So, uh, and then the birdie word on Twitter, uh, T-H-E-B-I-R-D-Y-W-O-R-D and my website, SethCrow.com. All right. Thank you, Seth. And I am Ricardo Blade Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Blade Diaz on both Instagram and TikTok. Again, I don't post very much, but please follow me anyway. <laughs> uh, and you can find this show, the What's It About Film podcast, uh, on several different platforms. You can find us on Twitter at WeAPodWhat. That's W-I-A pod what. You can find us on Instagram at What's It About Podcast. And you can find us on TikTok at What's It About Pod. Uh, so yeah, that's where you can find us. And of course, you can find the show uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We publish every Friday morning. So uh, if you're looking for an episode, follow, subscribe to our feeds and you'll uh, see us every Friday morning. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to you both for being here today. Uh, we will see you again next time. Bye. Adios. Bye.